I want to get back into the series that I'm currently busy with. I've been doing this, this, this grow series. And, but before, before I touch on that, you know, I, I was praying about this morning. Um, I, I like to get up early on a Sunday. I really enjoy my fellowship time with the Lord. And I thought, you know, you know we, have an, we, we have an intention here at Lake Haven. And if you're visiting with us this morning, or you're visiting online with us, if you don't go home or finish this broadcast and literally feel God's love and acceptance, then we've missed the mark. Our goal and our overarching goal, we said, is we exist that all people everywhere would know, intimately know God and experience his unconditional love. That is our overarching goal. We want you to come into an intimate knowledge with the Father and experience his unconditional love. That is the goal of every time we get together. Every time we get together. Grounded on Saturdays with, um, with Keith. Uh, Keith has been, is, is an awesome, awesome teacher. But you know, to be a disciple of Jesus means to, to follow him. And Matthew, uh, um, you know, we, this Matthew 28 says that, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest into your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, it's a well-known passage we say here, but Jesus said, Come and learn of me. There's a very intentional part of learning from Jesus and, and Keith, Keith's here, uh, he, is a, he, you know, he is a phenomenal teacher. And there's a part about learning that I want just to advertise. I want you to, to be aware of the tools that we have to come to learn of Jesus. So if you feel like you haven't been grounded in faith, if you don't feel the rest that Jesus offers you, I want to encourage you, lay hold of the tools and resources that we have at Lake Haven and, and participate on, and ground it on, on Saturday nights. That's at, at, um, at 6 it begins. 5.30, they, they, we have some prayer ahead of time, and we certainly so appreciate Keith. Um, I also wanted to talk about our overflow service. We have an evening service every week called Overflow. We've named it overflow. John said, um, Jesus said this in John 16, verse 7. I'm reading out of the Amplified ver uh, Version. He says, however, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable. It, it is good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. One of the major reasons Jesus said that he had to go away was so that he could send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And the purpose of our overflow service is, is something that the Lord put on my heart. It is not an aside thing. It's a, it's a part of what Lake Haven offers as whole ministry. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we, and, and, and different ministers call it this, but I like this, this, this label. We call it a believer's meeting. I want to encourage you, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in one sitting, and it, it lays out the opportunity. There is believer's ministry one to another. It is understanding the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You've heard me say before, and, and I feel the, the Spirit of the Lord leaning, uh, leading me, and I see him moving throughout the body of Christ right now. And he is saying, we need to get back into a knowledge, a personal knowledge and experience of the Holy Spirit and his work. Too many times, too many times, too many churches, it is simply a doctrine. The Holy Spirit, if you never mentioned the Holy Spirit again in any practical way, it would change the church not one bit. And that is tremendously sad. If you can leave the Holy Spirit out of your conversation and out of your Christianity and it not change what you do or what we do as the church, then we're doing something awfully wrong. Because Jesus said it, and I just read it again. He said, it is profitable, it is good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. 
Jesus, one of the reasons, yes, besides the atonement, he said that I should go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit and he is going to be your helper and, and etc. So we, we have felt, we, we, I feel in obedience to the Lord, overflow is an essential part of becoming familiar with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we've done Pastor Greg's book and Flowing in the Supernatural. And that's not that's a sort of a set workbook. You're welcome to use it. It's one of the many books, good books out there. But we 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 become we want to be very practical in our understanding of this very spiritual experience. One thing I know that the Lord has been saying to me, and I know that He's saying it to the to to the body of Christ, at least in America and maybe in the world, but I've seen it everywhere. He has been talking to us very specifically, and listen very carefully to me. He has been talking about praying in the Spirit. He is telling the church, reminding the body of Christ about praying in the Spirit. And if you, as a believer, do not know about praying in the Spirit, we need to know about praying in the Spirit. It needs to be taught. We have been teaching about that for the last month or so in Overflow. Because that service is, is designed to, to focus on. It's, it's the only evening service we have. We know that, look, the body of Christ has changed. How many of you grew up in America when you went to church in the morning and church at night? You did, right? I did in South Africa too. Church in the morning and church at night. And then Wednesday nights, they, some churches had, had meetings and others didn't. And then, of course, then church on Sunday evenings came and went. And now there's a few churches that do Sunday and some churches that do Sunday evenings. And some, but, but we felt at the moment that that is our opportunity to have this very essential ministry. Because believers' meetings, as I said, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's a very scriptural definition of what's supposed to happen amongst believers it says that one of you brings a song and one of you brings this and it talks about flowing in the gifts of the spirits and how that's supposed to happen and it, it lays it all out there and it is not supposed listen i don't it's not about being uh spooky and weird it's about being very practical and i believe that the spiritual things of god are very practically enfolded over here but how many of you have received a prophecy or word that has been a word in season that has really spoken to your heart? Well, you know, you know that that word of God can change your life. So I want to be very direct because this is something that the, the Lord spoke to me is an essential part of where we are at, at Lake Haven. Now I know that not everybody can make Wednesday nights, but I hope that you can. I hope that you could. I hope that you could design your life. And I'm being very practical. I'm being, I'm being very, very open. Not everybody can. But I believe that it's that important. It is that important for us to understand the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Let us not have the Holy Spirit on our doctrinal statement on a wall somewhere. Amen. We, and I mentioned this too, in, in late October, we're going to have a, a prophet visit us. And you think, oh, Shannon, you're getting a little weird or whatever. No. Listen, th there is fivefold offices given to the, to the body of Christ. The, the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Five of them mentioned in Ephesians 4. And their office, their, the role that they play is to bring us to maturity. And you here are exposed, we are exposed generally to the office of the pastor and teachers, we have some good ones. But rarely do we have the opportunity to, to really expose ourselves to the, of a, to the office of a prophet. And the one that we have visiting is awesome. So we'll talk more about that. But as I said, it was on my heart this morning to, to really explain this is, this is not a casual, this is not a casual thing. This is not a thing. If we are followers and of Jesus, we want to push in and we want to lay hold of that which is our inheritance. Amen. So, anyhow, praying in the Spirit. I want to just encourage you to, to this, 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 what the Lord has been saying about praying in the Spirit is a, it, it, it is a magnificent power of us understanding how to be led by God, how to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. It's how to keep ourselves in, this, in, in, build, uh, in, in keep ourselves in the center of his love. It is, it is about how, how we fellowship with intimacy, how we, 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 we 
our spirit prays, and so on. So there is so many benefits to this that I, I just wanted to throw that out there, lest you are unaware of what God is talking so clearly to, to us about in the body. Amen? Okay. However, this series that we're going into, this GROW series, why are we doing this? I mentioned this a little while ago, but why are we doing this GROW series? And, and, and I felt like it, it's, this is something that I would probably like to do maybe every three or so years. This growth series is, is an establishing a, an absolute foundation of the major things that we need to be able to understand. Not the little things. The, you know, there are lots of little things in the body of Christ that we can fight and argue and complain about and struggle with. And, well, I mean, with, you know, people argue on Facebook about little stuff. But, but the foundations are essential. And, and we said in the beginning of this how essential it is for a building to be built on sure foundations. If we don't build on sure foundations, doors won't open, windows won't open, things aren't going to work as they're supposed to work. Foundations are essential. And what I'm trying to get to is beyond the foundations. We're encouraged in, in, um, in Hebrews chapter one, sorry, Hebrews chapter six, verse one, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, and of instruction about washings or baptism, the laying in of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And he talks about these, these foundations. He says, let's, not, let's, let's move on from these. And, and that word, as I said, not laying again, is the word cast aside. We don't want to cast aside it. And, and if we study that, it's, it's like two, two points come out. One, we don't want to ignore the foundations. We have to build on the foundations. So we don't want to ignore the foundations, but we don't want to keep laying the foundations either. This, we have to be established on foundations. And if we, as I said, if, we are, if, our, if our foundations aren't clear, then it's easy to turn meat or anything that we discuss afterwards, we turn it into works, into religious stuff. If I, for example, start teaching about... Um, New covenant prayer, which I, which I feel in my heart that we've got to address. Or if we, I want to talk about stewardship that I want to address. If we're, not, if we're not established in the foundations, it is so easy for us to assume it's coming from the wrong perspective. We can turn prayer, which is an essential tool. It's a great, it's, it, Jesus taught about it. Prayer is an important thing, but we can turn that. And believe me, I've been there. I've done it. We can turn this wonderful concept of, new, of prayer in the new covenant, we can turn it into a work. We can turn it into something that doesn't give life, that brings death. And last week, I specifically started dealing with the very first foundation, repentance from dead works. And I explained it last week. It doesn't, we are called unto good works, and I'm not going to reteach that. I encourage you to go back and listen to this whole series, because each one of them are important. But we, we don't want to. We want to repent. We want to change our minds about how we're doing it. Because as I said last week, everything that we do can either come from a motive of good or trying to achieve something from God. We can take Bible reading is a good thing. It's an essential reading. But I, I, would be, I was in a stage in my life, and maybe you can identify with me, where every time I read the Bible, it just brought death. Why? Because my heart was skew. Because I was so legalistically bound. Because I didn't have, I didn't have a foundation. So what was good, Bible reading, was actually not doing me good. Going to church, is it good to come to church regularly? Absolutely. There, we can teach about going to church. I believe there's a plot, <laughs> a, a demonic plot, to turn people away from attending church. There is a very scriptural foundation for going to church, and yet I am seeing this on Facebook. Oh, well, I don't need to go to church. You know, it's just me and Jesus. It's like, oh my gosh, have you read the New Testament? Lest I get distracted over here and go and... Oh, <laughs> down that line but 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 we understand every one of the things that 
are good. The difference between works, as I said in Ephesians 2, we, we read the scripture last week, we are called, we are designed, we were built by God. God's workmanship created unto good works. We were created unto good works, but we're supposed to change our minds and repent from dead works. And the only thing, only thing that decides between good works and evil and, and, and dead works is the motive is why you're doing it. And I said last week, it's not what you do, it's why you're doing it. God is a heart God. I, mean, I laid that foundation. He, does, he looks at the heart. He examines the heart. There are countless, well, probably one could count them. God speaks about your heart. He, he is the God who examines the heart. He judges the heart. The motives and intentions of the heart. It is about the heart. Why you do stuff, not what you do. But we, we've spoken about that. So, so moving on, this is the reason why we're getting, we, we want to get this foundation laid because we do not want to build on a faulty foundation and turn what is meant for life and good into death and destruction. And like I said, going to church, reading your Bible, giving to the poor, everything can be dead works dead works and that's something we have to change our minds on so we we're, this is so what we're discussing in grow series guys this is just this is just foundation this is not meat this is not the meat that we're supposed to, that that we're encouraged here in hebrews 6 it says let us leave these elementary things and then he goes on to tell us what the elementary things are this is not the, the this is just the elementary stuff so First one was repentance from dead works, changing our minds about what dead works is. Remember in the foundation, and we said this I think in the second one or so, we said the foundations point to how we filter stuff. They, they, show us, they show us how to filter anything that we hear. If it's Shannon speaking to you, some guy on the internet, or some book that you're reading, or whatever it is, what your source of information is, I mean, gosh, it could even be certain translations of the Bible. Not all translations of the Bible are 100% accurate all the time. And, and, and I say this very cautiously because um, I, I love the Word of God. The Word of God is an essential tool for us. But, but it, it, because, <laughs> I guess I have to now. Um, we, we, have to, we, have to understand, we have to understand that this, do you know that the, the original text was not written in English? It wasn't written in King James either. It's the 1611 King James Version wasn't, the, that wasn't what the Apostle Paul used. He didn't speak English, neither did Jesus. So because we have interpreters and translators across the year, they have, there is, there's two kinds of translation. Basically, there's more, but, but basically you have the word-for-word -word translators that take a word of God and try and say, this word, this word, this word, this word, this word, and they translate it that way. And then there's the guys that say, no, no, you can't translate like this. You've got to take an entire concept, thought-for-thought -thought translations. They take the entire thought and package it and try and retranslate it into the local dialect or the, the, the dialect of time right now. That's why we can read a more modern translation and it can sound different to some of the more literal translations. So some of the, when you study how to even read the Bible, I, I read like, I, I guess I reference like 10 or 12 or sometimes more translations. And I go back to, we've got these phenomenal tools. And, 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 I'm, and I'm not saying to this, but as a believer, it's important that, that the Word of God is a foundation. But it just points, it, it, all of this points to a consistent picture of who God is. We need to be established on who He is. Amen. So, so um, yeah, so as I was saying, the foundations of, we get pointed, we, we filter what we read through the word of God, through the life of Jesus, as one of us said, the life, the life of Jesus, what he said, he was the exact image of God. We look at Jesus, we look at how he, he lived and walked, we see how he dealt with people, and we, and we hear his word saying to Philip, if you, have you not, when, when Philip says, just show us the Father and it's enough, and he says, Philip, haven't you seen me if you don't you know if you've seen me you've seen the father i don't say stuff that i don't see him saying i don't do stuff and and that's an important that's an important piece because when we see jesus forgiving the woman caught in the act of adultery 
or not casting stones. And we see how he compassionately treats the woman who brought Mary, who brought the expensive perfume and poured it over his feet. If we watch how he deals with religious people, we see how God operates. So it's a very important part to, to look at the life of Jesus. That is one, one of the major filters. And we see that through the eyes of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then, and then of course, the, the finished work and the atonement, what accomplished, what Jesus accomplished through the finished work of the atonement. If we, if you, I'm going to put this very directly, me personally, you personally, if you aren't established in what Jesus accomplished on the cross, which I, I mean, I've spoken about the atonement a few times in detail, but we getting that grounded in our hearts, we don't have a filter to filter stuff through. We don't have a filter because it immediately creates a, 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 a God over our heart when we, when we understand those two things, that when we read something in a book, or even if it's a Christian novel, or no matter where it is, whether you hear it from me, and you're like, hold on a second, that doesn't fit with the atonement. Oh, just hold on a second, that doesn't fit with what Jesus said. Oh, that doesn't fit with what Jesus did, etc., etc. So those are the reasons why the foundation. The foundation lays this part, what we're, what we're dealing with. Amen. Okay. So, so the, the second foundation that we're dealing with today is, is basically faith towards God. So um, Corin came up with this title, You Gotta Have Faith. <laughs> that was a song. <laughs> you gotta have faith. And, and, and I, and I want to I deal with this again. To, to me, repentance from from dead works is the first foundation we read in Hebrews 6 and faith toward God. Now, today I don't want to necessarily go into a faith. We can teach faith for weeks and it is one of those important subjects I have dealt with before. It's a grand thing to look at because there are scriptures like this in Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me say it again. I'm not going to teach on these, but I'm just going to, some highlights about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Seek what? Seek stuff? No. Seek him. So faith is an important thing. How about the one I've said many times before? Repeated three times in the New Testament, once in the Old. The just shall live by faith. We've spoken about this a little bit when we talked on faith righteousness, but, but faith is this important thing. It, 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 is, it is juxtaposed in, in, in Romans 4. It's, it's contrasted, I should say. It's contrasted to works. Faith and works are total opposites. You can't be working and in faith. Faith is resting in what Jesus, God has already done. So, so, and, we, and we've seen this, and it's an important foundation to understand that it is New Testament by salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith is something, and that's going to be for everything in your life, by grace through faith. So if you, you cannot, you and I cannot, one foundation we have to be squared away in is that we cannot work for this thing. We cannot earn anything from God. We can't earn our inheritance. Everything must come that same way by grace through faith. By grace through faith. So, so what is faith? So, but, I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about faith. So, faith simply is trusting God. It's taking God at his word. You see, you know the weight of your brain, right? It's three pounds, they're roughly, between 1,400 grams and 1,500 grams. It's about three pounds. With, this, with this, this brain, we can't understand everything. It's kind of ludicrous that we think we can understand with our brains, anybody, no matter how great their three pounds are, how much the creator has created or what he has done or what he is doing. And faith is simply coming to the realization that the supreme God, creator of all, knows better than you, better than me. Faith is saying, God, I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to trust you and take you at your word more than my reasonings or experiences or even what my five senses tell me. It's saying, I trust you. 
It's telling God you have, it, it's showing God that he has integrity, that he is not a liar. Because it's saying, okay, God, I'm taking you at your word. You say it, okay. It's doubting your opinion. It, 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 makes, it shows you why anti-faith or unbelief, counter-believing is so evil. And spoken about in Hebrews 3 and 4 as evil or wicked, some translations say, wicked unbelief. It's basically saying to God, I know better. I don't care what you say and what you tell me in the word. I know better. My three pounds is way bigger than the universe that you created. In my three pounds, my opinion is what counts. Faith is saying, hold on a second. I doubt my three pounds is smarter than God. I think I'm going to go with what he says even if I don't understand it. Even if I don't reason with it, right? So essentially, faith is simply trusting God more than physical senses, your eyes, what your ears tell you. And, and that's an important principle because the Bible tells us that the just, well, it's, it says that we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, right? This is how we live. And, and, and again, I'm not going to, I don't want to go too, too deep into, into that, but it's simply trusting God. But this is an important part to understand. We cannot trust somebody who we fear. You cannot. Fear and faith are mutually exclusive. Sometimes we let fear in and fear will push faith out. Okay? Because, so, when we see this scripture many times, we, we say, well, we, we, you know, you, you may have heard, you know, we, we should fear God. Well, fear is in the Bible. It talks about fearing God. But if we study the word fear, it is not terror. We aren't supposed to live in terror from our created God. It is a reverential awe and respect. That is what the term fear is. In fact, in Deuteronomy 6 verse 13, there's a famous part of the scripture. It says, fear the Lord your God and serve him only, right? Or worship him only. Some translations say, fear God and worship him only. It's a famous scripture because Jesus used it when in one of his temptations. Except Jesus decided <laughs> he translated the word into Greek or Aramaic at the time. When the Satan came to him and said, listen, if you just bow down and I'll give you these kingdoms, Jesus said, worship, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus, who is the word of God, shows us that it's not saying live in terror of God, although there is something about respect and awe that I think sometimes we lose, right? If we don't have any, if we don't, I, I think, I mean, I am beyond certain that one day when we see the enormity and power of God, we're going to melt like a little bit of butter on a hot stove because he is so great, so awesome, and yet he stooped so low to be called our friend and made us his father. The grace of God, when we don't, when we, when we lose that, that reverential awe and respect, it, it seems to, it's, it's almost a, it's almost a, a, a paradox. Because God wants to be intimate with us. He longs to his, he gives us this, this great inheritance. And there is an intimacy. There's a koinonia, a fellowship between us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has raised us up and seated us with him in Christ. There's these enormous, these mind-blowing concepts of, of our inheritance with him. But lest we f get so familiar that we forget that God, we have, God doesn't come down and just, we just live it here. We ought to come up here and live with him there. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Even though he indwells us and lives here, he, he isn't reduced to our little carnal mindsets. We should be lifted up to his heavenly mindsets, right? So, but fear, fear is, 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 if it's a negative fear, then you cannot love somebody that you fear. You can't because you can't trust somebody that you fear. 
if you have remnants of a religious system or whatever that's caused you in your past that feels like that uh, you are waiting for the judgment of God, you are waiting for him to crush you because you did something wrong, because that's what you believe, that's what you've been taught. Somewhere in your belief system, in your heart, you have a stronghold that, is an, that hasn't come to the obedience of Christ in 2 Corinthians 10. The, it, it, that stronghold feel is, is leading you to feel like you're waiting for an impending judgment of sorts. Because you fill in the blank. Because you murdered somebody. Because you had an abortion. Because you stole a million dollars. Because you hated somebody. Whatever it is, whatever, you, whatever disqualification or something that you did, if you have any part of your belief system that says, oh gosh, I've got it in. It's coming me. God's going to judge me. Then you aren't grounded in these foundations. Then your heart will be expecting judgment. But we've spoken about judgment in the atonement. And we've seen that God judged the sin of the world in Jesus. There is no separation. There is no, there, there is, God will not judge any person for their sin ever again. And we'll get to the judgment thing because that comes later on, not today, in about two weeks' time. We'll talk about judgments. Amen? Because that's also part of it. We've got to understand judgments. These, and as I said last week, these foundations are interrelated. They, you can't separate them individually and just look at them, but you've got to look at them sort of as a, as a, as a whole. So, so fear, man, you can look at your own life. I'm sure I was in boarding school, and, and listen, we had a strict boarding school code. It was a boys-only school um, that I was. I spent four years in boarding school, and, and man, I tell you what, the prefects of our, each, of the, each of our boarding colleges were divided into different, uh, to different ages, and, but there was a, a prefect who was a senior, uh, at least were maybe four prefects per boarding house, in, and, and I tell you what, they would, this was a different era, man, but you talk about corporal punishment, it existed well, very clearly. I mean, <laughs> we, we lived in fear sometimes because there, there's times <laughs> you, you think it's crazy, but you, you, there's times that if something disappeared in the, in, the, in, the, in the boarding school, the prefects would say, okay, uh, call us all together into the room and say, okay, so so-and-so's wallet was in his room and it's not in his room, so we're going to give you 10 minutes to bring the, we're going to give you 10 minutes to put the wallet back. And if it's not back, you know what's going to happen. And we knew what was happened. I would start trembling. <laughs> and they would take the whole hostel, line them up outside the door, and they had a nice little, now, field hockey. You know what field hockey or cricket is? And they would give us a nice couple strokes, each one of us. We lived in a different age, right? I can tell you what, fear, fear will teach you and cause you to modify your behavior. When you live in fear of God, all you will do is modify your behavior. You want to know why there's so much religion out there? People who want to act the part, people who want to come to church with a fake smile in their mouth. Bless the Lord, it's all good. You know, you know that fake smile. You know that, and then people call. You know, because because fear. If you are, if if you are, if we are grounded in a, in this fake relationship with God, and you live in fear, all it will do is condition behavior. It will never change a heart. Love is what changes a heart. First John four eighteen says, "There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear is to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love." You see, when you know, when you know, when you know, 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 know that God loves you, then fear is removed. The motive, and so what, what people happens when they hear the gospel for the first time, the real good news, that real good news that God loves them and has forgiven their sin, they, there's, there's this time that some people think, ah, oh, because the only reason they have been keeping the towing the line is because of fear. And if that's the only reason you've been towing the line is because of fear, then when you hear the gospel, you think, ah, oh, I can just live like I want to and God, wants, God loves me. Well, yes, he will love you but you're still going to reap the results of those seeds. 
We don't, but the motive, it's important to get to the motive. It's important that the heart gets purified so that we, we have fear removed from it and we get established in the love of God. We, have, we understand that's, that's got to do with faith, stepping into faith. Because when we, when we believe God and we take him at his word, we see how much God loves us. As you know, this is a foundation of why we say it. That is why it is our first over, overarching thing that we want, our desire, our we exist, is so that people everywhere would intimately know God and experience his unconditional love. Because I tell you, that will purify motives. It will make you want to live right for all the right reasons. It's no different, as Ed always used to say, like falling in love with your spouse. If you are completely in love with your spouse, and I mean besotted, you are totally in love with your wife. Do you want to go out and cheat on her or him? There's not a chance. When you are in love... You do not want to do anything. When, when, when we are, but, but you see, we've been sold this bill of goods that, that God, it, there's, there's anything but love. But, but we've explained this. And if we teach more in depth on love, you'll see that this whole thing is about God's love for us. God's love for us. Perfect love drives out fear. Jesus said it this way. He said, John 14 verse 15, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's what he's talking about. When, we have, when we're in love with him, we will keep his commandments because we'll want to. We'll want to. It purifies the motives. But First John 4, 19 is true. It says we can love because he first loved us. You see, we have to first experience his love toward us. We first have to experience love in our hearts. It must come into our hearts. We must, it's, it's this wonderful experience of, of his love. You know, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13 says, at that end of the chapter, it says that now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, right? And how about this, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but faith working through love. In a nutshell, that's what we're talking about. Faith works through love. You cannot have faith unless you know and you're persuaded it's driven by love. Faith works is the driving force. I mean, sorry, love is the driving force behind our faith. It is when we get to trust. We, we trust. We can have faith when we know that he loves us. So, um, yeah. God's love is, is the essential. Luke 12, 32, is the ESV version, um, English Standard Version says, Fear not, little flock, for it's your God, Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you know that God's, I mean, that you can just soak in for a week. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. That, that, that's, that's God standing at your door, over your bed, at night, saying, this is all, and I want to give it to you. That's his, that's his stance. I want to give it to you. He wants to give you everything of the kingdom. And so many of you may be asking, well, why doesn't he? He has. It's up to us to get it in our hearts, to open up a heart, to receive it from him, to lambano it from him, to take it, to receive. We need to play a part by grace through faith. Our hearts are the ones that keep pushing him aside. Keep won't we? We won't believe that. We won't accept that. We won't because of the conditions of our hearts. We have to purify our hearts so that purify our hearts, change our minds about dead works. We've got to, we've got to get this fear removed from our hearts by receiving, by receiving his love. Psalm 35 says this, Psalm 35, 27 in the NIV says, may those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, uh, the Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. Oh, he delights. God delights in the well-being of his servant. God delights in your well-being. And that, and that term, you, different translations use different words for well-being because it's the word shalom. You've heard the word shalom. 
The word shalom is, is this multifaceted, beautiful word. And, and, but, but I want you to first get the word delights. God, God delights. It's desiring, delighting in, having pleasure in, um, favor. He wants, uh, he, he, whosoever would is willing and, uh, willing and he wishes. He wishes for you. He delights in your, the well-being of his servant. He delights in the shalom of his servant. And, and lest we go into study, I just want to read some of these, these definitions. Completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, prosperity, quietness, tranquility, contentment, um, good health, favor. Did I say welfare already? That, that is what the word shalom means. God delights in those for you and me. That is, his, that is his desire for us. So quickly to finish or to try and wrap this up in a little while. What made the declaration so powerful in Luke 2, 10, when the angels appeared, right? The angels appeared in the, in the heavens to the shepherds and they said, and we, we hear this at Christmas, maybe it's, Maybe it's appropriate for our Christmas in July. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It'll be great joy for all the people. In verse 14, he says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, on the, uh, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Um, the King James says, good, uh, peace and goodwill toward men. That's the NKGV. Peace and goodwill, goodwill toward men. And, and, and I don't have time to go and break down covenants a little bit here but but understand that we live in a new covenant what made this herald or this angel herald that that jesus was going to mark a a new era a new covenant that how god was going to operate with men people say well how is god in the old testament different from the god in the new testament well god doesn't change what we need to understand, if that bothers you, well, you see geez, God operating different. Yes, God operated and worked differently with men in the Old Testament than he did with the New. And even if you look at it closely and you look at the covenant, you'll see God dealt differently with Abraham right through to the day Moses came down with the tablets. God dealt differently with Israel, with his people, very, they were under the Abrahamic covenant. They, God dealt differently with mankind that time until the day Moses came down with the tablets that they wanted. When they got the tablets, that day God's covenant changed and God dealt differently from that day until this angel announced this basically and said, well, this is what Jesus was going to do until the new covenant came. So God has never changed. But how he has dealt with people, according to the covenant at that time, has changed. And, and again, I don't want to, we can't delve into these awesome, these awesome things completely now. But in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9 and 10, it talks about this new covenant and that how God, that, that, that how God was not going to be counting our sins against us and, and how he was going to deal differently with us and he would not be remembering our sins and our lawless deeds. That's powerful, right? I've got to read this one at least. Hebrews 10, 14 to 17. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First he says in verse 16, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time. After what time? After the, the Lord time. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, not on tablets of stone. And I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. So we see this and, and, and the writer of Hebrews is, is actually teaching them. If you sit down and read the whole book of Hebrews, he, he writes to them about this new covenant. He, he says this is going to be the, the new. So, so peace and goodwill, this attitude of, of how God dealt with man changed in the new covenant and we celebrate that and we when when we know how that changed it changes the way we do communion or breaking of bread totally because that is what we celebrate in the bread in the wine or the or the grape juice we celebrate the body and blood we celebrate the new covenant of what he has freely freely given us so um yeah new covenant founded on better promises uh you know what we, we see, 
and and I'm just going to touch on 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 the scripture in um, uh, in in First John chapter four, because we just we have spoken about atonement before. I did a, um, an Easter message on on um, on 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 the atonement recently, but but we see this in First John four ten. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us and sent us. That is the definition of love. See that? This is love. What? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for, his, for our sins. And then we, we read it before, but in verse 19 it says that we love because he first, he first loved us. So the atonement is the absolute demonstration of God's love. It's when we, when we absorb what was in the atonement, and that's not what my message is about today, but if you aren't at peace, if you do have fear, it's because the foundation of the atonement hasn't been grounded in your heart. The very first message I spoke about was heart and seeds of the word of God, the living and active seed of the word of God, that is seed that we do not want to have Satan steal from our, from our hearts and minds. That is absolutely, we spoke about guarding our hearts and how essential that is. Above all else, guard your heart. We, having understanding of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, having taken him, and, and we'll talk about this in, in the coming weeks, maybe in two weeks from now when we touch on judgments, but... But it is when we, when we understand and take to ourselves that we have been atoned for. And, and, that, and, and of course, the reconciliation that gets spoken about in, in Romans uh, and, and Isaiah, you know, Romans chapter 5 and all of these places that talks about reconciliation, that God has reconciled into himself. Second Corinthians 5, that he has reconciled us to himself. And that word reconciliation is simply exchange. God has exchanged us. Jesus has given us his righteousness and taken our sin. Man, wow. Where is your sin? It was exchanged. Your sin, every sin you have ever done, will ever do, was taken on the body of Jesus. He was punished for your sin. You get to receive his righteousness. And we see that so clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin become sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The very righteousness of God. And that exchange is that word reconciliation. So, so clearly God's love has been demonstrated in, in um, Isaiah 54 says this in verse 9, to me this is like the days of Noah when I swore the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So I have sworn not to be angry with you and never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and, my, and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who is compassionate of you. has compassion on you. Covenant of peace covenant God hasn't cut a covenant with you he made a covenant with himself and peace is the result we get to participate in this covenant by faith faith is simply resting in this finished work resting in this finished work so the very first foundation to wrap that up the really first foundation is repentance from dead works. In other words, let's change our minds. Let's change our minds about what cause, what works is. What good works is. What, work, what, evil, what uh, dead works is. Let's, let's change our minds upon this and come into faith, trusting in the finished work of God. Let's come into an understanding of his love. Let's remove all fear of his judgment. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
Thank you, Father, that by your spirit, we grasp and lay these foundations, Father. I thank you, Lord, for every person here. Every person who is going to watch this, that we grasp the, the, important, the importance of, of, of laying this foundation in our hearts and lives. Thank you, Spirit of God, for who you are, for your great love, for your magnificent grace, for this covenant of peace. This covenant of peace. Thank you, Lord, that you will never be angry with us again. For those of us who will simply take on your this great gift. I want to encourage you, you know, sometimes it's messages like this that, that search our hearts and if you will let them. The Spirit of God puts his finger on and he says, you know what? You've never understood that. And as he brings light, that's not me, but as he shines his light, and he puts his finger on something in your heart. Do you know that, 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 that you just being obedient to that can really allow his grace to flow in a whole different area? Perhaps you've struggled to receive something from him or perhaps you've had trouble sleeping at night. Sometimes it's a simple as letting an unbelief go, a counter belief go. When you hear a truth and you decide to repent, to repent simply means being willing to lay your opinion aside for his one, to change your mind about how you believe that. And if you hear something that you're not sure about from me, from anybody else, go and search it out. Your heart say, Lord, I'm, I want your truth because your word says that we shall know the truth and the truth will set us free. Every lack that we have, every where we have missed the mark of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, it will have its root in our heart because God stands toward us. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He delights in your shalom. He delights in your shalom. He, he is not the one holding back. Will you let go? Are you prepared to let go of your contrary beliefs? That's all you need to say to the Lord. Between you and him right now, just say, Lord, identify them. If you don't have anything in mind right now, just choose and say, Lord, Spirit of God, Show me, and I'll change. And if you're not sure, I want to challenge you. Go back, listen to this again. Let him speak to you. Write to me if you want more of scriptures. Ask me questions. Ask the prayer team questions. But be grounded in the seed that can produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Let it into your heart. When you know that it is, it is the truth that, that needs to change what you believe, let it in your heart. Water it. Meditate on it. Chew it. That is the way we see transformation. That is the way we renew our minds. That is the way we put off the old man and put on the new so that you can experience this abundant life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We take that from you right now in Jesus' name. Amen.